You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome. Welcome to our second episode of Can We Talk? I'm Eric McLeod. I'm Damian Mitchell. And I'm Daryl Henry. And we have Marquise Herring on the phone right now. Um, how's everyone doing this week? I'm doing... Uh, Pretty good now. <laughs> yeah. uh, been a wild week. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. How about you, Daryl? Epic week, but I can make it. Yeah, we're going to make it. Marquise, what about yourself? <laughs> yeah, we do. It was an interesting, <laughs> week. It was an interesting week because there was a, a drastic change of emotion. We started the week with MOK Day. You know, we talked about, you know, just going over the history over the past 50, 60 years you know, how far we've come as a nation. And then we saw the uh, president, former president, Barack Obama, uh, transition of power and, ter- and turn his power over to uh, the new president, Donald Trump. And yesterday was a huge, it was a huge movement uh, with the Women's March all across the world where millions of women showed up in, in, in protest and talked about their rights. And it was a very, it was an interesting shift of emotions throughout the week. And, you know, it, it made for a lot of a great discussion you know, in work, you know, around a, around office. And it's, it gets us into this first uh, question I want to ask for today's show. What is Barack Obama's legacy? What do you think is, is going to be his legacy when it's all said and done? And now that we have this new um, president in office, Donald Trump, what is his legacy going to be for, um, you know, 10, 15 years down the line? Well, um, I, I'm going to say uh, I, I've been very proud over over the last eight years yeah. of of this president, uh, uh, every president um, has different issues and things that they go through. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some some things are great, some things are are pretty bad, yeah. and uh, tarnish them. Uh, but this president, uh, uh, overall, I, I feel he's pretty uh, untarnished. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna live uh, his legacy. He's gonna live on. Uh, everybody's gonna have. Great things to say. His, his approval rating was, was one of the highest ever, mm-hmm. uh, over sixty percent, um, and, and and I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. And then and I, on and this show, I hope we can go over a lot of the accomplishments he made yeah. uh, because he made a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, the elegant family uh, represented the country well, mm-hmm. and uh, things are change have have changed. Yeah, definitely. Yep, I think his legacy will truly go on. Uh, because this man has done something um, like none other. Mm-hmm. Um, he said some of the things he said he was going to do, he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, his family is a family of class. A lot of people are, haven't been even wanting his wife yeah. and wondering if his wife would go into politics. I wish she, I wish she would. <laughs> sure. Because he has a force. Uh, she has a force with her mm-hmm. and in her like nobody I've ever seen before. Yeah. I mean, this woman... Her statue as a as a uh, as a wife, as a first lady, as a, a mother, mm-hmm. is is just amazing, and I see why he is the man he is. Mm-hmm. Is because look who he has with him, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a strong family, for you sure. know, and it's it's just amazing what he's done. Yeah, yeah, I'm proud of him. I'm proud Same of what here. he's done. Same he's here. truly a man of class. Yeah, and it's one of those things where he did face a lot of um, gridlock over his time as president, and he tried the best that he could. You know, he yeah. did. He did. Well, he was in his power um, to help better the, the country and the nation. And so, you know, things 
of course, it always can be perfect. There's no perfect president, but no. he tried his best. He sacrificed um, you know, his time and energy, and, and he created a positive um, presidency with his family as well. He did. Uh, Marquise, I know you listened in. What, what do you think about his legacy? Well, I, you know, I guess they, we always try to judge a person based on their accomplishments um, and what they were able to pass. I mean, but when you look down the line at this, this president in particular, uh, of course, um, you know, you had the Great Depression. Um, but this president had to take on a monumental task um, when he took office in um, you know, foreclosures, two wars, uh, a, a stock market that was crashing, and, you know, to the point that we were headed into another de- uh, de- depression. Mm-hmm. And in this time, I think, you know, when you think about someone who had to deal with so many different um, issues and major problems going on at one time, I think he has so many things that are in his legacy. It's almost hard to play to one. I mean, you have health care reform. You know, no matter what anyone says, uh, five presidents tried to, you know, create some type of health care insurance for all Americans. But he was the one who was able to get it passed in 2010. You talk yeah. about uh, Wall Street reform. You talk about ending the war in Iraq. You talk about eliminating uh, Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about uh, one who got a $62 million um bailout, you know, for the auto industry um, to help that yeah. keep from collapsing, which helped wow. us in time here in Michigan yes, right. because, um, you know, people didn't lose their jobs. And, sure. and the auto industry was, 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 was failing at a fast rate had he not stepped in and came uh, with that money. So you also think about, you know, our image abroad in terms of, you know, um, him coming in after the Bush administration and having to repair broken relationships with other uh, countries all around the world. Mm-hmm. So when you think about his legacy, he's been a restorer. He's been uh, someone who's led from a positive standpoint and who has uh, kept his, his foot and hand on the pulse of uh, what's best for for country. Mm-hmm. And so you start thinking about his legacy. There's so many things, but if I had to put one up there, I would say it, it would have to be the Affordable Care Act of 2002. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And when all said and done, um, what what really happened at this election? I feel like, of course, we have a lot of the um, the great things that he's done, and we've seen it over time. A lot of people seen their lives get better, um, but this election told us that a lot of people haven't. And so, what was this election? How can we attribute the election of of, of President Trump? How was that a reflection of the Barack Obama era and his presidency? Is this a, a backlash, or is it just more so people wanted? Wanted something different. What do you think? I think people really wanted something different. Mm. I think that um, because this man is kind of like new to a lot of politics Mm. um, and new to a lot of things, a lot of issues, they think maybe he might have a better spin on things. He's kind of out of the box with some things. Mm. He doesn't know how to articulate some of the issues and policies that are out there and and what the country has going on now. He doesn't know anything about politics it seemed like he would have a course and take a course before you go into politics but because he thinks he's a a billionaire he Mm -hmm. thinks he can handle because of all his accomplishments he can handle this office but i guarantee you he's pulling all of these people in cabinet Mm -hmm. to help him with everything he needs to have help with and that's why i thought it was so classy for obama to just say 
you know, it's not about all about me. Right. It's about America. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do whatever I can to do to help this man yeah. get it right. Yeah, like I said, they go low, you go high, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Damien? Um, well, uh, I believe that uh, President uh, Trump mm-hmm. got uh, some things he need to work on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, tweeting at 3 o'clock in the morning is <laughs> out of control. Right. <laughs> tweeting anything. It's just you don't right. know what you're going to tweet. You're you going to sleep on it the- first before you tweet, right? <laughs> <laughs> he wake up out of his sleep and tweet something. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's really wow, un- what character. Un- yeah, it's out of mm. control, Unpo- unapologetic for yeah. saying things about the handicap, mm-hmm. saying things about women, saying things about uh, 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 Mexicans. Right. Uh, <laughs> who hasn't he offended? That, that, that list exactly. Is, yeah. That's the short list. Wow. Uh, so, uh, and, and I thought the, the transition and, and how uh, 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 former President Obama uh, asked the country to to come behind mm-hmm. uh, President Trump and uh, try try to work work things out. Try mm-hmm. to try to do the best we can together. Yeah, uh, because yeah, we got we got four years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just wish that all the people who's uh, uh, stepping up now mm-hmm. would have participated in uh, uh, the election uh, process a little earlier and been a little more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we wouldn't have the. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 results we we, right. we, we had. Yeah. So Marquise, again, was this election was it a a change that people wanted, or was it just a backlash on the the past administrations with uh, President Barack Obama? Well, I think it's it's funny when you take a look at it, not like um, when you think about President Obama's uh, ascendancy to president. Uh, he was the change um, mm-hmm. president. You know, he was the change candidate. Shall I say? Uh, back in 2008 when he first ran against uh, John McCain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that Americans have been looking for. However, um, I think when you begin to, to, first off, before I go any further, I want to say, I, I have to say that uh, President and, and Ms. Obama, I think, are shining examples of how to handle disappointment gracefully, you know, without um, denigrating, you know, the office of the presidency uh, and our democracy as a country. But um, just like President Obama was a change agent, Trump um, was, it, it came in as a change agent as well. Right. And he, he was able to speak to some parts of America, mainly the Rust Belt states mm-hmm. that, Hillary Clinton just couldn't speak to. Now, Bernie Sanders did. That's why Bernie Sanders won a lot of those states that she's been winning, like Michigan, like yeah. Wisconsin, like uh, Pennsylvania. Bernie was able to pull those things off. But Trump spoke to the average Joe American who was who's working in the plant and not getting ahead and not, you know, seeing his plant clothes and seeing uh, um, his... Like, like for instance, the, the single uh, middle-class uh, American who may be working a job and who uh, may have to pay all this money to go into the Affordable Care Act in order to even see some of the subsidies of it. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the, the American that is struggling or, or is working two or three jobs to try to get ahead and constantly seeing uh, their income down and constantly seeing jobs, their job 
lost or, or, or uh, having to find another job or other sources of income, they're starting to see that American dream that they, uh, you know, envisioned uh, slip away. Right. And that's when someone like a, like a, like a, a Donald Trump can come in and say everything in a campaign that you want to hear that's going to get your vote, mm. even though he knows he's not going to be able to fulfill a lot of those things that he's saying in the campaign. Right. So uh, when you look at the two, yes, they're, they're almost, I don't want to say one the same, but the same in the sense of President Obama inspired us to say, yes, we can, that we can have change in Washington. Uh, and, so, and in a lot of ways, he made change in Washington. In a lot of ways, he kind of failed. Mm. Um, but he tried his hardest. Trump is coming in now offering up another type of change. Mm-hmm. It may not be the type of change that we like and we want, or we agree with, but all the same, he spoke to some part of America. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, before we be- start, we're going to talk to um, we have Councilman Scott Benson here. He just joined us. Welcome. How you doing, sir? Hey, good morning. How you doing? How's good you afternoon going? now. How are good you all today? Thank you for uh, inviting me on. No problem. So we're <laughs> talking about Obama's legacy since he's you know he's left office, transferred his power to uh, the new president. What do you think his legacy? is from 10, 15, 20 years from now, what do you think they'll look back on and say Barack Obama did that was positive? Um, I think you're going to see that the changes he made for your LGTB community, Mm -hmm. um, your lesbian and gay community, I think that's going to be uh, significant. So um, the ability to marry, uh, things of that nature, um, just, and you're going to have some pieces that are just going to be more nuanced, such as just the uh, the leadership, mm-hmm. um, international presence, changing the image of America mm-hmm. around the world. Because we have to remember, when he came into office eight years ago, we were, had Guantanamo Bay, right. we had torture of prisoners in Iraq. So just the ability to change that and change our international image was huge. And I remember when he was elected, I was in Kuwait serving overseas at that time. And just being in Kuwait and seeing the newspaper headlines, it was just a sigh of relief from someone, a president that had been so antagonistic mm-hmm. to the Muslim and Arab world, to someone who would openly say, let's have it, let's sit down, let's talk, we have some differences and some mm-hmm. issues, but I'm not going to paint the entire uh, religion or community with such a broad negative brush. So just things of that nature. I'm concerned about some things like health care, um, that legacy, what's going to happen, um, just how we treat each other other and then with i think we're two full days mm-hmm. into this presidency and you have outright lies mm-hmm. um and a war between the media and the president's office and this morning if you had a chance to watch any uh the nbc uh meet the press this morning yeah, um and that exchange um that's troubling it is when your is. press secretary comes out and lambast and takes the press to task for telling the truth and then you have a situation where the his spokesperson says you can't take everything the president says seriously. That to me is a danger signal. If you can't, you have to be able to take everything that the most powerful man, which we had hoped it would have been a woman, mm-hmm. on the planet says, and then you have to make excuses. Oh, you can't take that seriously. They weren't no. That is a lie. That's not an alternate truth. It's called a lie. <laughs> a lie is a lie. You have a lie, right? to be able to 
trust and to count on what the president says and what's coming out of that office. And I'm a Democrat, proud Democrat. And despite parties, we also have to look at the country and at that office. That is the president of the United States. And it's all of our presidents. Yeah. President. So that's my president as well. And having served in the military um, over 24 years, I've seen a number of presidents who I did not agree with. Mm. But they were the commander in chief. And I took a sworn oath, blood oath, upon penalty of death that I would defend the U.S. Constitution, and I do have an expectation that what my commander-in-chief says is going to be accurate and is going to at least reflect the ideals, norms, and mores of the citizens of the United States. And what I'm seeing out of this administration now, two days in, um, we, we have a divergence um, of some expectations that I have of that office, and, I, and I'm concerned about that. And I really do want to touch on the aspect of media and this presidency. It's it's very interesting. I've never seen it in my life before, um, this distrust that an incoming uh, administration has with the media. Mm-hmm. What is what is there any possible solution to this? What's going to be the, the future of the way the media approaches interviewing or, or meeting with the, the current administration? What, what is it going to look like? <laughs> I'm confused. I well, this, this president has said that uh, the media lies – uh, he says that the, the CIA is is not Nazi trustworthy. <laughs> he he says things that is uh, things you, unbelievable things right. every other day, every day something is is coming out that's that's terrible. Mm. And uh, these countries are, are looking at America. Uh, I, it's not good, you know. Um, I was proud uh, of, of the president. And uh, the last eight years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we all felt pretty comfortable. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, right now, uh, people have uh, distrust. People, a lot of people don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the direction we're headed in now is, I don't think it's too good. Yeah. I but question his character. I really do. And I've been questioning that from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have the ability and the skill to lead or the ideal to lead because they've done and accomplished so much. But I do question his character on some areas where these are things that your staff and the people that work with you should be coaching you on. I mean, they've been telling him certain things since the campaign and certain things that he should not be saying or should not be tweeting or should not be doing. These are like almost like, you know, childhood things that he does. You know, yeah. these are things that teenagers do. But, but you, like you, like he said, you're the you have the highest position mm-hmm. in the United States, as well as in the country. But I don't understand his character. Sometimes some things he just kind of flies off. He contradicts himself. He says things that, you know, this just kind of um, out of the box. Yeah, and, and my biggest issue too was that. Of all things he could have focused on the day after he was elected, he focused on the crowd's eyes. <laughs> right. And, and, and um, trying to paint the picture that the media was lying about in the crowd's eyes. And so how – I mean it really makes no sense in terms of, um, you know, he has so many things on his plate that he should be addressing. He should be addressing issues in the, the urban uh, inner city communities, issues in terms of health care. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he takes the time out of his day, his first day as a president, to, to talk about the media and to, um, and to lie, blatantly lie, you know. And so it's it's really it's upsetting. Um, and I know Marquise, you may have some some things you want to add to that as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's <clears throat> it's amazing, man. I, I've been sitting here. Uh, I refused on Friday to watch any of the coverage 
Um, I did, uh, you know, click in because it, it comes up on my phone. So I did see where, you know, um, President Trump uh, acknowledged uh, Hillary Clinton and her husband at his luncheon. And uh, I watched the um, uh, President Obama when he left, uh, when they left on Marine One. Um, it, it's very troubling. You know, uh, he goes to the CIA, and I'm talking about uh, President Trump. He goes to have a meeting with the CIA yesterday. He stands in front of a wall that memorializes uh, members of the CIA who lost their lives uh, defending this country. And he spends the whole entire press conference talking about the media and um, whether or not uh, people stand, the amount of people attended the inauguration who uh, disp- disputing what the, the uh, picture that the New York, I believe it's the New York Times, yeah. uh, posted about uh, how many people actually attended. Hmm. What we've seen from him on the campaign trail, we thought we would see something different. Yeah, that's but I learned a long time ago in life that when someone tells you this is who I am, you got to believe them. Right. Hmm. And we tend to think that, you know, because politicians, and, and not all politicians, but the, I don't want to say lie, but, you know, sometimes, you know, what you say on the campaign trail it looks totally different once you get, once you get elected, mm-hmm. because you get elected, elected and you see what's really going on from the inside, not so, not so much from the outside in, <laughs> but not inside out, that you have to amend some of the things that you say you really wanted to do in the first place. But this man right here is showing us, he's been showing us for the longest who he is. Right. Um, he's been a Democrat all this time, and so it wasn't really until the last maybe eight years or so that he's now turned his position totally and become became a Republican. Mm. And so, uh, I mean, there, there's pictures. He's very good friends with, you know, uh, with, with uh, Bill Clinton. They talk with each other. Now, you know, he gets on a campaign uh, trail and he has all these things, horrible things to say about uh, Bill Clinton and his wife and, and she should be locked up. This man right here, I think, is, is now more than ever, if we don't come together as a community, and I'm not just talking about inner city, but I'm talking about all those that will be affected by this man mm. and see to it that he is a one-term president, then everything that President Obama worked for over the last eight years will go away. He's already, within hours of being um, inaugurated, signed an executive order to um, change some of the laws in the health care law immediately to relax some of the laws in the health care law. So it's great to talk about it, but I'm at a point now, uh, Eric, and the guests, that uh, I want to see change, and, 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 and change, it means that those of us who are younger now, we are going to have to get up and fight. It started yesterday with the, the March on Washington, with the women, mm-hmm. the Women's March on Washington, mm-hmm. and it's got to continue. We have got to continue. Mitch McConnell stood up immediately after President Obama was elected and said that his number one goal was to see to it that that man was a one-term president. Wow. They, they bind together. His first term in office did not pass anything 
Call the man a liar in the State of the Union speech. We need not forget all of these things that was done to President Obama. Mm-hmm. And yet he handled it gracefully. But we always sit back and say, you know, let's be dignified. Let's not do it this way. It's time to fight back. At this yeah, point, it's yeah. time to fight back. This man is elected to office. He's able to be the president. He talked about President Obama, questioned his, his legitimacy as an American. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, Did we just sit back? You know, what? At some point, we have to begin to fight back. He showed us in the last two days, this is the type of president I'm going to be. I don't have six kids. The minute someone says something to me, I'm going to lash back out at him. I'm going to tweak my way through this presidency. And the whole world is looking at us right now and laughing at us. Right. Laughing at us. This man is tearing apart the work that has been done by President Obama in eight years. He's being handed a better country, a better country economically than what President Obama received in 2009. He's being handed all this stuff, but yet he's coming in and, and you're, you're picking a war with the media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you first get elected to offices, the media is, is at war against you because they, 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 they give facts. Yeah. It's just a fact that more people came to see President Obama get inaugurated his first term than they did see Donald Trump. Why are you holding a press conference on a Saturday night in the White House to talk about the crowd, the crowds at your inauguration? And the thing is, too, 49 percent of the, of the country um, really don't see anything wrong with what he's doing mm-hmm. currently. I think that there's such a distrust that some people have about politics and politicians in general. Um, they're so, uh, you know, people have been economically um, disenfranchised mm-hmm. individuals. You know, we've seen growth in other areas in terms of economic um, growth, but in a lot of our urban and, and, and rural areas, it's still slow to develop only because um, the, the type of jobs aren't there anymore. And so 49% of the, of the country, Donald Trump can say whatever he wants, mm. but they're still going to believe him because they hate the political established, establishment that much. And so, hey. and I, I think that yesterday with the Women's March really showed us that there are other people who, you know, the millions of people out there mm-hmm. across the world who don't believe in what he's saying. And I think that we need to come together. We need to continue to not only just protest and demonstrate, but become elected officials. Mm-hmm. So here's my concern. Where were all these protesters on November 7th? Right. Where were they on November 3rd? You are now protesting the current president. Why weren't you out advocating for the so, Democrats? So true. Wow. So when we lost the state of Michigan, went red with 10,000, I believe, 700-something votes, where were you then? Mm. So I, I'm a little incredulous when I look at the thousands hundreds of thousands and what the reporting were millions of people who were out protesting Donald Trump and supporting woman power. Mm. Where were the ladies when right. Hillary needed her? Yep. Right. Back in November. Where were those people knocking on doors? Mm. Where were you voting? Mm. So let's not just look at our response to the current president. Let's look at the level of advocacy that we as a party, as Americans, mm-hmm. and then around this table as black people. Right. All right. We knew going in that he was not going to support our best interest, and we did not come out. President Obama pleaded, do not let me down. Mm -hmm. Come out and vote. And what did we do? 
Well, I don't like her that much. Well, do you like him more? Mm. And by the look at all the protests, I believe the answer is no. But no one wanted to get out there and do the hard work to get that woman elected. And so now we have what we get. So then the next question is, do we not work with him or do we at least try to find some common ground with this man so he can bring some resources back to the city? Mm. So we have issues with our water infrastructure. Flint does not have clean water still with federal um, intervention and with state intervention. Mm. Still don't have clean water. The city of Detroit has tons of issues with this infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Homes are being sucked into the ground behind water infrastructure in Macomb County. Mm -hmm. So are we going to work with them or are we going to continue to protest when we should have been out voting on November 8th? Right. I agree. I think that, uh, you know, individuals, I don't think people believed that he was going to win. People just thought, all right, I'm, you know, she's going to win. There's no point in me voting. But, you know, they didn't they didn't underestimate the power and the movement that he created. Mm hmm. In those urban, no, sorry, in those rural areas. And Let me so, say something, can I interject there as when yeah. the Democratic Party took our vote for granted, yeah. did not put the resources here on the ground. Um. We helped establish her office on the east side in the Matrix Center. They mm. shut down operations for two weeks mm. to, prior to the actual election. And then, guess what happened? We didn't come out and vote and lost mm. the state by 10,000. The city of Detroit could have carried the state of Michigan and ensured we stayed blue. Yet they were so arrogant that she was going to win and that he was not going to make it. So I, I hope this shows us. This should be a good lesson. Mm-hmm. Number one, don't ever take the black vote for granted. Right. That's right. Number two, don't ever take your opponent in an election for granted. I know I won't. Yeah, this is election year for me. I don't take anybody for granted. Definitely. You either run unopposed or you run scared. And right. so we run scared and hard because we're not going to be unopposed. Mm. So that, that should be a huge, huge mm. lesson for us and for the party. Don't ever take our vote for granted. Right. And it also should show Republicans, maybe they want to start digging into the black vote, which should also be a big concern for uh, black people. If you want this city and this country and us as a people to stay mm. blue, then you need to make sure that you invest yep. in this vote and not take it for granted ever again. Yep. Huh. Yeah, and I, I really – I completely believe that um i feel that if we could have done more in terms of well if the democratic party could have done more in terms of bringing especially black community together in these urban centers sure we those votes alone could have carried many states for her and i think the issue i don't know if the issue answer this for me was the issue a hillary issue or was it a democratic party issue it was a little bit of both i think it was both yeah I actually so I knocked on doors the week prior to the election. I gave a personal commitment to uh, Hillary that I will go out and knock my precinct. So I knocked every registered voter's door in my mm-hmm. precinct. And I was surprised by the number of people who were not no, I'm not voting for her. Mm-hmm. Or I'm voting for her. I was surprised by the number of people who were I'm not voting for her. I don't like her, da 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 da. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sit this one out. You wanna sit this one out? Well I'm gonna vote for the libertarian. This is mm. not the time to protest. I can't tell you how many people that I ran across who that was their take. And now I'm a precinct delegate for number 75. Mm. And for those of you who don't know, precinct 75 is in the 48205 zip code. Yeah. And so there is nothing soft about the 48205. Definitely and so not. we walked those streets and knocked those doors. And there were people who, despite need knowing that Donald Trump was not going for their best interests, were not going to vote for Hillary Oh, we're going to say, I'm going to give a protest vote on this one. I mm. wanted Bernie. It's too late at that point. Right. Too late. Oh, we have oh, to oh. stop just throwing our vote away and think about the greater good. It's not just about us and our personal feelings at a certain point. Mm. It is about our community and the greater 
good. And that meant voting for Hillary at that point if you wanted the Democrat to stay in the White House. And now we have the same situation that we have in the state of Michigan. All, both houses are now Republican and the White House is Republican. Mm. What do you think that holds for us? So now what I'm saying, we have midterm elections. Right. So you have two years. We got midterm elections. What are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and wallow and protest after you lose again? Or are you going to get out, support the party, and make sure? And this election, the midterm election for Michigan, is critical. So the elections that go into 2010, those that, excuse me, into 2018, those who win for 2018, those are the ones who are going to set policy and set the maps for state reps, the congressional districts, for state senate districts. They set those boundaries. And so you're going to be able to determine, do you put a favorable map for a Democrat or do you put a favorable map in for Republicans? So do you know why the Republicans have both um, chambers and the House and the governor's mansion in Michigan? Because they set the maps in 2010. So now Democrats have the opportunity with a 2018 sweep to get us back into both houses again. We can set the maps and and set those scales up. If we don't, then we're going to get another 10 years of what we have. So we now have to be looking at 2018. We can't wallow in the past. We got to lick our wounds and move forward. We got to look in the windshield. You cannot continue looking in the rearview mirror and protest a vote that you should have taken for Hillary. Right. That's true. That's deep. Yeah. Uh, hey. Go ahead. I, I, I was going to say, you know, I, I agree with most of Is that uh, Congress, uh, I mean, Councilman um, Benson? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I, how you doing? I, I agree with most of what what he said. I, you know, and maybe you know you can give me some clarity on this. But you know, I'm troubled in my spirit because you know I, I, I want to believe and 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 I want to believe in the Democrats, but you know, some of what Donald Trump had to say was the truth. You know, they, they the Democrats have taken our vote and. You don't see them anymore for four more years. We're going to vote again. <laughs> we, we're, we're, living in, we're living in a city. We're living in a city, and, I, and I'm from the city of Detroit. Went to Detroit public schools, graduated from Detroit, got my bachelor's degree. State University. So I've been here in the city. I work in the city. I'm a mentor here in the city of Detroit. Our city is has has and, and it's revitalizing now from the downtown out, but. I think he speaks to a segment of, of, of even inner city people when he says, what are the Democrats there for you? Like, they come for your vote. Mm-hmm. They get your vote. What do you see in return? Agreed. We have emergency managers running our schools. The mayor is trying to get safe over our schools. They just released a a, 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 a um, list on Friday of 38 schools in the city, in, in, in Michigan, that our slate is slated to be closed. Majority of those schools are in the city of Detroit. So our education is, is terrible in the city. And we talk about the 4205 uh, area. I, I love that area. Some of my mentees go to school over there and live over that way. I run basketball practices over at Hillman Recreation Center. My man. But, but at the same time, it's, it's one of the most hard-written areas, not just in the city, but in America. Yep. And I know that you are working hard to try to change that area, change the culture. I know that Damien is working hard over there. Yep. But where is the funding that's coming from? And, and, and I have to say, under a Democratic president, to really help these ravaged areas in the city 
that really need to help the Baltimore district. I, I, and I understand that there are things that are happening that, you know, people are, are stepping up like yourself and, and Damien and others who are trying to do certain things in our community. But we've had a president for eight years who's been a, a Democrat. We, we, we've had all Democratic um, all Democratic men. And I'm not trying to say, I, I don't want you to take the wrong way. I'm just saying, this, some of these things that mom trouble me at times. That I, I vote just I voted for Obama. I voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, I supported her. But when when Donald Trump says they have come in campaign to to take your vote, and you don't see him again for four years, look what she did. She didn't even come back to Michigan. She started coming back here toward the very end when they told her that the race was tightening in Michigan. All of a sudden, Bill Clinton flew in out of nowhere and wanted to have a rally yep. at McCall Community College. Yes. It's like, I don't see where either party is really doing what needs to be done to help the Very good point. Very good point. And I'm hoping that there are some Democratic Democrats who have some uh, leadership roles and can make some decisions in the party and how they spend and expend their resources. And so I remember being at a meeting when we met Lon Johnson, who was a state party chairman for the Democrats. This had to be back in 2014. And he came and wanted to introduce himself and meet Detroit and Detroiters. And, and Martha G. Scott stood up and said, why should we listen to you? You all come here every two years and you say you want our support and our help, and you come and get our votes and don't leave anything here. What are you going to do to change that? And why should we continue to support you? She stood up and told them to his face, you need to do more for us as Detroiters and as black people than just take our votes for granted. I agree 1,000%. There should be a demand. There should be an urban agenda. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do for us? And so, once again, we got midterm elections coming up. Mm -hmm. And so what are we going to do and what are we going to demand? Are we going to get the drink for everybody, or are we going to have people bring us a drink? Huh. So now I'd rather be at the table making decisions than be the one bringing drinks to everybody at the, at the table. And the, th- and the thing, too, is that we need to realize that the power is within the people. If, if we That's collectively, right. you know, as a, as a city, would rise up and say, we don't want this anymore, mm-hmm. let them know that we, we demand change and have that unity amongst the whole community, things can happen. Mm-hmm. We don't write our con- congresspeople. We don't write our sen- senators. And so this is why— they do whatever they want in the communities mm-hmm. right. because no one is really – there's a, a few people, typically our older voters are the ones who are, are usually talking up and, and sending out. I've always been taught that we are the government. Yes. Mm-hmm. We are the government. We are the, the largest population center in the state, in every state. So it's, it's really, mm-hmm. again, collectively, if we come together as, as a whole and demand more for our communities and for our, ourselves and for our, 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 li- our livelihood, you know, things are going to change for sure. Mm-hmm. So now Detroit is the largest city in the state of Michigan. We mm-hmm. have over a quarter of a million Democratic votes that come out of that can come out of this city. Mm-hmm. When the city of Detroit speaks, it should resonate. When we right. sp- when we walk, the earth should shake. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we don't take ourselves that seriously, and we don't vote our best interests, and we don't come out to vote. Mm-hmm. Another issue is, I mean, there are just so many moving parts to this that have to be addressed to get us to a place where mm-hmm. we're organized and we're doing something that brings resources back to our city. Mm-hmm. That the culture, we have to start seeing the system work for the poor people in our city. Mm-hmm. If poor people don't see the system working for them, then you can't – it's hard to blame them 
Why? I don't I vote. It's doing anything for me. The system doesn't work I for you. Agree. Right. We've got to make it work for people. People have to see sure. that, hey, when I vote, resources come back. I'm seeing um, resources for my kids. You talked about Hailman Recreation Center earlier. We've got to be able to see recreation dollars coming back to the city. We've right. got to be able to see um, all kind of infrastructure dollars coming back to the city. Mm-hmm. And it can't just be we get taken for granted and people come around every two to four years, say vote for me and then do and do nothing for us or the bare minimum. Yeah. So I agree with you. I mean, there are a lot of moving parts here. So there's no one broad stroke that we can we can uh, fix all the wrongs. But we as a people have to be able to speak and talk and demand. We have to demand uh, we get resources in return for our vote. Your mm-hmm. vote is very, very powerful. And every vote counts. Ten thousand seven hundred votes to turn the state around. That's it. And we were 30,000 absentee votes behind uh, two weeks two weeks before the election, where we were for President Obama. Now, obviously, everybody's coming out for that president. But also, when he talks and says, hey, don't let my legacy down, and the guy who's coming behind me, if you don't vote for Hillary, you're going to see a whole change. Mm-hmm. And then we still don't come out? I mean, you can blame the you can blame the lion if he's laying in wait for you the first time. But mm-hmm. if he's laying in wait for you the second time and you jump right into his claw, that's really on you. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the unfortunate reality now is that we do have to rely on Donald Trump, uh, President Trump, to uh, bring these services to communities. And so he's he's been doing some, I guess, some reaching out to the community, speaking with Steve Harvey, <laughs> speaking with <laughs> speaking with other entertainers and, and um, professional athletes. But is that enough? Like just talking to athlete or Steve Harvey, what, what is that really going to do? No, no, right, that's, right, not right. Right. that's so, what his staff told him to do. Right. So do, do you think that we're going to see any? Progress. It sounds like he's trying, but I don't really see it. It's a few, you know, just meeting with. So can I say I I have a level of optimism in one area. Where's that? So you in the HUD, the office of HUD. So despite the fact that you are going to have a secretary who has no experience delivering services to the poor or in housing, he is a local boy. He is from Detroit. Mm. HUD is a 40 billion with a B office. That is money and that is policy and those are significant resources that can be brought to bear right here in the city of Detroit. Mm -hmm. So now when you have people who go to meet with President Trump, they're lambasted, called Uncle Toms and every other name under God, who are actually trying to talk to the at the seat, the table, seat of power to bring back resources. I mean, we've got to now take off our warrior hat. Mm -hmm and put on our diplomacy hat. We got to get those resources back here. And so when Mm -hmm. someone goes over to talk to the man, we can't beat them up all the time. Now, they need to go with their black hat on, too, and understand where they came from. They're not there to enrich themselves. (laughs) They are there to bring resources back to their community. And so my expectation is that we are going to work with with our new president, and we're going to bring back, I want a lion's share, that $40 billion, $40 billion annual budget. For the for the Department of Hood, and we have a Detroiter who is going to be running that department. We need to make sure that we just on GP that a ton of those resources come back to the city. Well, I, I would like to say that uh, uh, I don't know if this is going to help us, but uh, just a spokesperson for uh, President Trump and President Trump said that they're going to help cities or the states that, that he won. He said, for the cities, uh, states that yeah. I won, yeah. they're going to get security. They're going to get jobs. This is politics. So, yeah. <laughs> so he won Michigan. Right. So, uh, he's, trying, he's trying to keep those states red. That's all he's trying to do. That's yeah. So, 
I mean, yeah. that's what you do in right. politics. Mm-hmm. When you win, you reward those who supported you, mm-hmm. yeah. and you also punish those who didn't support right. you. I mean, that's just the way it goes. But it's more than just saying what you want, what you think mm-hmm. people want to hear. Yep. Because after a while, it's going to catch up with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I question his character. Everything you've been saying, and if you're lying, if you're not lying, right. it's going to come out. You know, and and he. He has to be very careful. He's walking. They put him to work. He went right to work like Saturday. I mean, this man went right to work. Signing bills already. Right. And I'm like, and then he's doing stupid stuff at the same time. He's going signing, making executive decisions already. I'm like. Well, I think I heard somebody earlier say. If a man tells you what he is, right. or he shows you and tells you, believe him. Believe yeah, him. Believe right. him. You're right. <laughs> but he still has to be careful. You know, yeah. people are questioning his character yeah. on a lot of levels, not just in the in the United States, mm-hmm. but people are questioning him outside the United States. As well, they should. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I mean, because really... we have allies that are questioning, "What are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you saying?" Mm-hmm. And now they're coming to see him to ask him, why did you say what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he contradicts himself so much. Uh, he, he says a statement three months ago that uh, is for and then th- three months later it's against. And so it's really that that allows him to be fluid. So he really doesn't hold himself accountable because he he lies all the time. So there's really no truth to, to stand on. But uh, um, a Politico said that 70 percent of everything he said during the campaign was yeah. false. Only about 4% was accurate. Mm. 4% through the whole campaign? Yeah. I mean, that's because so, his, his voters only heard, one, make America great again, build the wall, that's what, and drain the swamp. Those are the only things they really heard. Um, and we see that with the drain the swamp, he's just brought the whole, all the creatures from the, the swamp into his office. So it was really, <laughs> on, in, in that sense, he let them down already. Um, and even, I was watching the documentary recently, um, and it was talking about the health care and the Obamacare and how individuals in a lot of the red states are the ones who, who need it the most, who are signing up at the highest rates, and they don't realize that they're mm. about to repeal this thing. You're not going to have health care. Right. And so um, people are voting against their own best interests, and it's kind of confusing. And so for me, it's like, what do, how can we get to these people and let them know, like, this guy isn't, he isn't looking out for you? Mm. He may do one or two things. You may post it on Twitter. It may, it may seem great, um, but he's not really looking out for your best interests. And Again, we do need to collectively move forward in terms of our own communities, um, trying to, to, to ensure that in the next two years we get those Democrats in office. Yeah. Um, and we can't whine about it. We can't cry about it because it's done now. So it's like, what should we do? Uh, where do we go from here? So President Obama said, pick up, pick up a clipboard, <laughs> get some shoe leather on the streets, yeah. take up an issue, support it. Yeah. Support it. Don't just talk. Don't whine and cry about it. Get out exactly. there and support it. And vote you vote there's an election right. coming up this year i want you to vote for me but other than that there's an election coming up this year get out and vote if you're a detroiter this is mm-hmm. our this is your odd year we got a, we got the uh, mayor mm-hmm. we have all nine city council persons are up for election wow. you have the city clerks up for election mm-hmm. so get out there don't sure. don't just stand idly by do not be the person bringing the drinks be the person being served the drink right right marquise i thought you were about to say something are you uh you gonna add to that no, I'm just, just thinking about, um, I mean, this man was sworn in on Friday, and immediately he went and signed an executive order to to undo uh, President Obama's um, 
the mortgage fee cut, you know, mm-hmm. which was a government program for first time home buyers and low income borrowers um, to get uh, home houses. Mm-hmm. He's the one who campaigned saying that he wanted to help the middle class, that the middle class had been losing jobs and, and he was going to you know, do these, put these plans in place. But then he turned around immediately and signed a executive order saying, no, we're going to undo that, that, um, do fees uh, for first-time home buyers, and that's a job right at the middle class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this man says one thing and totally does another. But the other opposite end of that, I was going to say, and I think um, Councilman uh, Benson stole my thunder, which is we have to start to focus on on the state in which we live in. It's one thing to talk about the president. The president's going to govern from a federal standpoint, and we have to go after him as well. But, you know, we we you know, Governor Snyder, who uh, I believe has two more years um, in office, um, and uh, we need to be working to get a strong candidate that um, appeals to not only the um, southern, you know, the northern peninsula and the southern peninsula, to get a, a, a good candidate to run who can win that. Right. And also, I think, you know, we talked earlier about both the House and Senate here in Michigan is, is Republican. Um, and eight, 2018 is very important because it's when we uh, redistrict everything, um, the, the areas around mm-hmm. the state. Right. So, so we have a lot we need to do within the state of Michigan in terms of our education and infrastructure and uh, where dollars even within our state go. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to probably be working on more. Marquise, I, I agree with you on that one. Right. We need to be looking at how we are going to get dem- – we're going to change, flip mm-hmm. both houses in the state legislature to go Democrat and then see what we can do to bring in a Democratic governor. Mm-hmm. Now, it's been a long time since uh, the Democrats have controlled either house mm-hmm. of right. our state legislature, and it's been eight years or well, six years now since we have a Democrat in the mansion, we have got to make sure that we are making those maps in 2020. That has got to be our goal. We need to make sure that we have both houses in 2018. Got to. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, I, I told you, that, that's, that's, that's most important. Mm-hmm. Um, the president, he's going to be there for four years, but what we do in our state yep. is important. And my, my main focus in being an educator is dealing with our education uh, here in the city for our kids. It, it's amazing how I thought that I didn't have the best education when I was coming up in the city, but I had a great education looking back now compared to uh, what these kids deal with today. And if we continue to throw a blind eye at what's going on in our schools uh, uh, here in Detroit, then we won't have a future. That, mm-hmm. We won't have a future. We don't invest in education. Um, we're going to, to, to lose our young people. They're going to drop out or graduate and move and don't come back. We have to begin to focus on, on step issues, and, and education should be at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. Oh, Marcus, I agree with you there. 1,000% as well. We have lost, I want to say, an entire generation based on the policies that have been coming out of Lansing. We just finally got control, partial control, of our school system back. They changed the name of our school system on us. They still have us under um, financial management mm-hmm. within our school system. And we have not been educating our kids 
the way that we want to as a community for close to 20 years now. I mean, it is really a sad state of affairs. We're going to lose an entire generation of young people. We just need to, I believe, that we need to focus on, as soon as we can, getting this next kindergarten class that's mm-hmm. coming in and making sure mm-hmm. that we have a plan moving forward for them. Because as a city um, legislator, I have a difficult time being able to support the mayor when they're out trying to get large employers to come to the city of Detroit because mm-hmm. we just don't have the workforce that they need. Yeah. And so if – and people talk about tax breaks. It is your workforce mm-hmm. is the biggest draw for a large employer – you need to be able to staff those lathes. You need to be able to staff those new computer um, programs. We got it, and we we don't have it, unfortunately. I mean, it is really, really tough out here. Yeah, and it's important. It's important to realize that the economy is changing. The jobs that were there in the past are no longer here. We need to evolve um, our education to fit those needs of the twenty first century. And a lot of the education, um, especially in our urban areas, we talked about this last week. Our, our urban areas are they dropped the ball. Um, and, it's, and a lot of times it's, it's due to the state, some of the state policies, but we really need to figure out how are we going to, to go about educating our, our students successfully for those those jobs they're going to need in the, in the future. Um, again, automa- automation took away all the jobs in terms of the, um, the labor type of jobs in the mechanical industry and automotive industry. So we need to figure out how can we go about creating a new set of skills for these young people. Um, yes, I totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in in, in our district, um, Councilman Benson, uh, he was pretty successful at at helping employ uh, huge numbers of people at at a pay that was uh, decent, where mm-hmm. people can start raising families. Mm-hmm. Uh, how were you successful at at getting a, a a competent workforce to work for that company? And and what advice do you give uh, for the expansion of things like that? Um, basically, and thank you for that, Damien. So we've been able to bring a number of uh, large-scale employers. So we've got Link Logistics that's coming into the city that came to the third district, and they have they created two hundred jobs, eighty percent of which are how are staffed by Detroiters. Now, just don't say that in as numbers. I've actually been there and served lunch to one of their shifts, and there are a lot of black faces. And I was impressed, and I was proud that I could stand up and say, "Hey, I supported this um, job maker." We also have Flexingate coming in, and so we know we have another four hundred jobs that are due to us by the year twenty twenty, and fifty one percent have to be Detroiters. And we know the uh, the young lady who is heading those uh, decisions. And so it's really about supporting the administration, making sure that they have the policies that they need to bring these large-scale develop, um, employers in, and making sure that we are being honest with ourselves when it comes to the staffing. And so we're working hard to do make sure that we're giving a basic education to our um, our, our teenagers and our adults who are going into the workforce. We're working to remove any barriers to entry. We're working hard to make sure that those jobs can fit and that we have a number of entry-level positions that are available to Detroiters, and that means sometimes reducing barriers. And so whereas Flexingate may have had a high school diploma requirement for its employees, that's gone. Where they may have said that we you need to have an eighth grade educa- the ability to read at the eighth grade level and do math at the uh, seventh grade level, we are going in hard in our, tra- our job training programs on those skills. We have a uh, great returning citizens program over at the prison that's on Ryan in the third district where they're actually teaching them life skills, soft skills, and they're doing the uh, basic education as well to make sure that they're capable to come out and get those jobs because that is critical to the health of our city. We have to employ our people, which, Damien, as you know, is something that I've been so focused on and something that I continue to be focused on, economic development and job creation. 
And unfortunately, we're out of time. We had a great discussion. This was a, yeah. this, this is was, fun. This was, I like this. And definitely need it. Um, I want to thank our thank our guest councilman, councilman Scott Bitson, um, Daryl Daryl Henry. Thank you. Um, thank you. And again, this was more conversation this to come on this. Good. This is this is important. R- real topic. quick, who's rooting? For, who are you guys rooting for today? Oh, the Stillers. The Stillers. Yeah, Stillers, the Stillers and uh, the Falcons. All sure. right. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and thank you again. Uh, this is the episode of Can We Talk.